Hey guys, welcome back to the Make War Podcast. My name is Carson Cunnan and I am joined by Peyton Gardner and this episode is going to be a little bit different. We're taking a little bit of a break from our series on Christian disciplines and we're jumping into the word and kind of doing a mishmash of a variety of different topics because tomorrow I get jaw surgery so that I get my, my mouth wired shut and I'm not going to be able to record a podcast for a while. So we're kind of just going with the flow. We're going to start in Matthew 28, and I'm going to read some scripture, and then we're going to have some conversations. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe so that you can always get access to the latest episodes. Um, We are here because we believe that the Word of God is true. We believe that Jesus Christ came, he, he died, and he rose again so that we might have eternal life in him, that we might have forgiveness of sin, and we are just excited to continue to make war against the darkness in our culture and stand out, live counterculturally, and look different for Christ. So uh, we're excited for this episode, and I'm going to start in Matthew 28, 16, where it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a verse that Peyton and I have really been um, struck by the past couple of weeks just throughout church services and some of the events that have gone on at our church. And so we were just kind of reflecting on this and wanted to set the tone for this episode. One of the pieces of this this section of scripture that really strikes me is that Jesus Christ is always with us, even to the end of the age. And I am just blown away by the fact that Jesus is constantly pursuing us. He's constantly with us. He's empowering our lives and the ministry that he is doing through the Holy Spirit in us. It's just, it blows my mind, like thinking about what the reality of the fact that Jesus is actually with us. I think sometimes we read verses like that and just kind of skim over it, but there's some real depth there. Yeah. The Great Commission, I feel like, is such a daunting task that God has given us, and it is kind of weighty, but the emphasis on Jesus saying, I am with you always to the end of the age, we got to really like hone in on that because I think when we go and we share the gospel and we try to bring people to know Christ— I think a lot of times we can get into a sense of it's all on me and I have to have Mm -hmm. the right words, but we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit who will speak for us and Christ is with us at all times and and we don't have to fear about rejection or um, any sort of persecution or um, maybe just uh, relationships kind of fizzling out because of it Um, because ultimately we have a relationship with the Son who's overcome death for us. Um, and so I just, it's just amazing because I think I get caught up in that mindset too. Like it's on me to make sure that this happens. Um, but it's not, you can put all your weight in Christ and just let him do the work. Hmm. And 
it's i think part of that is our individualistic western culture where it's all about me and the focus is on self and not on god yeah and when we make it about ourselves we put pressure on ourselves to try to manufacture a salvation or a situation that is is not of the holy spirit and it doesn't allow god to really work yeah, it you becomes know. works based. Yeah, it's we need to do enough for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's so funny. Uh, my wife just came. For those of you that are wondering what the heck is going on, my wife just came and tried to bring us a charger because it looks like my computer is getting low battery and all of the ports on my computer are maxed out because we're using them for microphones. So <laughs> that's funny. Uh, where, where was I? You, oh, anyways. oh, it becomes a uh, works base. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was a good work by her. Um, works based, and I think people get just tired out from trying to like work unto yourself. Work and like I'm gonna bring people to know Christ, and eventually you just get burnt out. Rather than this is an overflow out yes. of my heart, yeah. my love for That's God, mm-hmm. and my love for people. That's going to make it so much easier. And a, a lot of what we're talking about today has kind of been from a sermon that, uh, well, two sermons really that happened at our church yesterday. Um, and also kind of an overflow of the men's conference that we had um, back in the end of, end of May. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about the state of America right now, especially in the Northeast, um, in Michigan, where we're at, um, things look decently well um, as far as the amount of Christians that we have compared to the rest of the nation. Um, but they were just talking about how um, this the pastor from New York um, was saying, what did he say, like around 2% would identify as Christians. And he said that this is an unreached people group. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard of somebody saying that we have an unreached people group in the United States of America where that area is literally where we first stopped and founded this country and we built it on religious principles there. And now you look at the Northeast and there's not many believers in that area. And it's because we've gotten comfortable, we've gotten lazy we're, mm-hmm. we're not, we're thinking, okay, the church is going to teach our kids. Um, we're thinking, okay, whatever, people will come to know God by themselves, which, okay, that does happen every so often, but we've got the Great Commission laid out for us. That's a clear command. It's not. It's not just a, oh, if you have time, do this. It's literally... The, some of the last words that Christ spoke while he was still on earth is to go and make disciples yeah. of all nations. And yeah, that really blows my mind too, especially when you think about unreached people groups. A lot of times you think about places like Africa or Asia um, that have a lot of those you know, unreached people groups that don't, we don't have the Bible in their languages or Mm -hmm. there are no missionaries that are activated in those areas. We think of unreached people groups in that context, but very rarely do we look at unreached people groups in the U S. And so that's the case in New York. And then also in Connecticut, it's like, I think the statistic is 3% 
of the population of Connecticut would identify themselves as Christians. And you wonder how many, even out of those 3%, are genuine believers. Right, not just in name. Exactly. Man. Yeah, just thinking about on the topic of unreached people groups, like, all that starts just locally. Like, we don't get massive amounts of people being unreached without you know, small clumps not knowing Christ. And then, okay, this area starts to expand, this area starts to expand. So even like thinking about family or extended family, I think we need to think of those people as unreached people groups. People that don't know Christ are Mm -hmm. literally unreached. Um, And, okay, maybe they've heard something while they were growing up, um, especially where we're at. but nothing is sunk in. We need to be the ones that are sowing the seed of the gospel and be the ones that can harvest uh, if God allows that that peace to be available to us, um, whether that's the person we sowed for or if it's somebody else that has sowed that seed, we get to harvest that too. So really focusing on the people that you're close to so what what's one thing if I'm listening to this right now and I am convicted that the Lord really is calling me to reach maybe a member of my family who doesn't know the Lord like what's one thing that I can take away today what's one thing I can do one thing you can do is I mean first off just pray to God and pray for their salvation and pray for strength um, and just take a rest in Matthew 28, um, at the very end of 28, where Christ says that he's with you to the end of the age. Just rest in that and have a conversation with whoever that is um, out of love. Just say, hey, like, I love you, and I want to ask you these questions about where do you think you're going? Like, after you die, where can you go? And then just walk them through the truths of Scripture and um, walk them through how to be saved and, uh, hopefully it takes, if it doesn't keep at it. Um, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of the problem is just complacency. I think when people get saved, they think, okay, I'm good now with God. And I, then now I don't have any responsibility, right? I think there's certain people that, I mean, obviously it's not not the case for everyone, but I think there's a level of complacency, especially in our context of West Michigan. And I'm sure that that's the case around other places of the country too, where the gospel is readily present, you know, maybe in the South or um, some other parts of the Midwest. But like there is a level of complacency and just like spiritual apathy basically to what scripture is commanding us to do as Christians, and that's to go. And if we truly love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. And he is commanding us to do this. So if we don't do this, we don't love him. Like, that's just basic. I think a lot of times we read scripture and then we don't, we know more scripture than we're able to even be obedient to right? To a certain extent, like we know the commands of God, right? Like we know what he's calling us to do. It's a matter of actually getting over that hump and doing it and trusting him and knowing that he's with us always to the end of the age. Yeah. And 
I've even noticed that in my own life too. And it's a lot easier, I think. And yes, we need to pray a hundred percent. We need to be on our knees for people in our family and our friends that don't know the Lord, but there gets to be a point too, where you have to be able to be bold in speaking the truth of God's word to someone that you love because you love them and because you want them to know the life-saving power, the grace of Jesus, the transformation, the the new life, the redemption from sin, the freedom from captivity, like these are real things and they have eternal consequences. And it's so easy to get bogged down in the temporal and not look to the eternal where Christ is seated. Like, yeah. and it really goes back to also your, what you set your mind on, like what your effect, where are your affections? What are you, what are you thinking most about? What are you most passionate about, you know, analyzing motivations for doing things like those kind of self-reflection questions of really, what am I looking to for fulfillment and satisfaction? Where are my greatest affections? If your greatest affections are on Christ, then you're going to be the most excited to talk about him. It's going to be a natural, what you were talking about earlier, a natural outflowing of your heart. It's not forced. Yep. It's just a genuine, like, I love you and I really want you to hear this because this is a matter of eternal life or eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. Woo! <laughs> yeah. I forget, I think the guy's name, whose quote I heard, Penn Gillette. I'm not super familiar with him. I believe he is an atheist. Um, but I heard a quote from him that said something like if you truly or how how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize them if you mm. truly believe that eternal life is on the line mm. is kind of the gist of it and that got me I, I listened to um that podcast today that mentioned it and it really got me along with this sermon that we heard yesterday about Wow, like how much hate or um, just love are we withholding from people from not sharing the gospel? Um, It's just crazy and heavy, um, but it's also exciting because we get to participate with Christ and bringing people to be saved from their sins. Mm -hmm. And, And like, I don't know, I just think that's such an honor that God would even give us the opportunity to be used like that um uh, something i guess that just come to mind i want to be clear as we're talking about witnessing to people um it's not a a matter of salvation um because it's not works-based so if you were to never witness to somebody in your entire life um yet you have repented and believed in christ you're still saved um, but yet is still commanded something that's required, not it's <laughs> asked of us and we should do, um, but not required of salvation. So I don't want to freak anybody out with that, but it is dire. It is heavy. Um, and it's just, it's just important. Um, and it really does show the world, our love for Christ and really just show, um, I mean the local church, like it, it inspires one another when like, we have stories of like this guy got saved and like all this crazy stuff. Like it really amps up the church. Yeah. And I think 
we tend to minimize the seeds that we plant too. You might share your testimony about what God has done in your life to someone else. And I've had this happen a few times with a few friends of mine from high school that are that are unbelievers where you share your experience with Christ, how he's transformed you and you continue to love them like Christ. And they might, and I have this with a few guys, they still don't know the Lord, even though there's been a clear gospel presentation. Um, there's been a testimony of what God's done in my life, but those seeds are still able to be planted, yeah. you know, regardless. And I think sometimes we minimize our impact because we don't see the results right away. God is the one that gives the growth. We are the ones that are supposed to be planting and watering, right? There's that verse in First Corinthians where it talks about um, is it Apollos that does the watering or Paul? One of the one of them does the watering, and then the other one does the planting, right? So you plant the seed, water it, but it's God is the one that actually gives the growth, and so mm-hmm. that goes back to just an overemphasis on self and how can I manufacture this situation so that there's a good success story as opposed to how can I just love this person? Yes, boldly, clearly proclaim the gospel, but also take confidence in knowing that God is at work behind that situation right. and that he's the one that is actually cultivating that growth and actually going to build that into salvation, you know, if that's within the will of God. But I think it's so important to be bold, even if you don't see fruit, because you're planting the seeds that could grow yeah. into that fruit. Yeah, don't be afraid. If you don't if you don't see something right away, don't worry about it. I mean, it's easy to get discouraged um if you're not s- seeing the results of like, okay, I'm kind of racking up some wins. I'm racking up <laughs> some, some salvations, but it's not really about that. It's not a game of who gets the highest score. It's uh how to give God the most glory. So, in by doing um what we're called to do, that will give God glory. Mm-hmm. I think one of the ways that you can start to engage in those conversations is just by asking thought-provoking questions in love. It's a lot easier to have someone answer a question about something as opposed to like trying to force something at them, you know, like get the conversation going and then be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit's leading and be constant in prayer, even in the midst of those face-to-face conversations of just like, Hey Lord, give me the give me the right timing to share what I want to share with this person. Um, and I think asking just solid thought provoking, deep questions in the right context is a very easy way to open that door to someone who, um, you know, may not normally want to have a conversation like that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. If you have really good thought provoking questions, something that's really going to be deep, um, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like people ask a lot of deep questions nowadays, um, at least in our area. Um, but when you start to get to the depths of it, you really expose people's hearts. You really expose their minds. Um, and I think even, even if it's not a necessarily a full gospel presentation, um, that you're able to get through, I think those questions will have a profound impact on people, um, because they may think about those questions even after you ask them, you know, Oh yeah. 100%. You know? Yeah, definitely. That's a good, that's a good point. What would you say just going to practical application for that? What 
Can you give some examples of questions that would be good to ask someone, maybe a family member or a friend who's an unbeliever or just vaguely acquainted with the church, maybe would call themselves a Christian, but are not really living into, into what God has called them to do. Uh, What are some of those questions that some thought provoking questions that people could actually take and use? Well, number one, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? If if they say cookie crisp, they're definitely an unbeliever and they're lost. <laughs> that is that is a dessert, and they're fake cookies. They're not even good. So definitely an unbeliever. That's a good question to always ask. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, those cereals are bad. Don't <laughs> they are. They're not. They're not good. <laughs> um, great question to start off with. I think is like, what are your thoughts on the afterlife or where are you going when you die? I think Mm -hmm. just hitting it right on the head. Um, I think those ones are the most thought provoking because we don't want to think about death. Death is kind of scary. We kind of live in our own mental bubbles. I think a lot of times with a lot of distractions and things because people don't want to think about death. Um, so things that revolve around death are always a good one. Mm -hmm. And then, um, out of that, um, you can kind of talk about, okay, I mean, the, the whole Ray Comfort deal, like a lot of people would say good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Okay. Well, nobody's going to admit they're a bad person. So you kind of have to show them that, yeah, you are a bad person in God's sight. We all are. We all have fallen short of God's glory. We've Mm -hmm. all rebelled. Go down that road and then bring in the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Show them that. I think that's great. Um, Another route you could go is um, maybe like, what do you believe about God? Um, If they have some sort of religious background. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can kind of ask follow-up questions that can kind of um, prove them wrong and and prove us right, which we are right. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's really helpful. I think that helps just to give people some practical, like, Hey, here's, here are a few things that you can actually do out of that. Um, But shifting gears a little bit, one of the things that we were really struck by in one of our services this past Sunday at church was this confrontation from the pastor on what are you called to? And this is a question that I think a lot of people have a hard time answering and was not really a question that I was ever asked until I started working at our church about three months ago. Um, A lot of times people answer like, oh, you know, I'm called to sacrifice for the Lord or I'm called to evangelize or, you know, and and there are certain gifts that God has, that God gives us for those things. And those are great. But aren't we all as Christians supposed to sacrifice for the Lord, supposed to be, supposed to evangelize, right? Like those things are biblical. And so I think it's interesting to just do some reflection on what do you think God is calling you to do? What do you believe? What's the thing on your mind and deep in your heart that just really gets you riled up, that yeah. gets you excited and passionate, that makes you you know, have some spiritual angst or anger, that like tug, righteous the anger? tug on your heart Exactly, feeling. yeah. 
So I think that's something that I've really been reflecting on um, and something that Peyton and I have had a lot of conversations about too is like what what are what's really our unique calling and what's God placed on your heart and being able to identify that and then filtering your life decisions through that lens is transformative and is something that work that I'm even trying to work through right now is like, what, what the heck? Like I'm working here at church and like, I'm not sure, is this really what God wants me to do? And, um, my wife is expecting in January and we just got married last year. Like there's so many things going on and trying to discern, okay, God, what do you want us to do in this? And so one of the things that I think God has really convicted me on is just living counterculturally, looking different than the world, um, fighting against complacency. And that's part of some of the inspiration for this podcast too, is kind of, um, being able to step into some of that in this audio format of being able to kind of sharpen and encourage, uh, people through a podcast. So Peyton, what would you say, like when you think about what God is doing in your life, how would you try to define what your calling is? Well, I I view each Christian's calling as kind of, I mean, with the whole make war deal as a military kind of yeah. operation. So we have this big mission, okay? Glorify God, make disciples, okay? So we're bringing people into God's family, People are to know Christ, love Christ, be redeemed. Okay, that's kind of like the broad mission, right? It's a big rescue mission that Christ has completed, and it continues to be completed until the day he comes back. So within that, though, the military has all different types of soldiers, and they have all different types of missions, personal missions, because they have different skills, because they are positioned differently, they know how to use certain equipment, and so on. Um, so I kind of view us mm-hmm. as Christians, we're those soldiers, and the Lord is commanding us to to work within our field, to work with the tools that we are skilled in uh, to complete that. Um, for myself, right now, um, is a little bit difficult, I feel like, as far as... Um, my convictions and what I'm doing. We're trying to finish up school. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've known that I want to use, um, exercise science in some sort of way to, to be a ministry, um, to, I don't know, work with others to build their body ups, um, and to hopefully influence their spirit through that. Um, but I haven't had a specific, I feel like, big tug mm, from the Lord mm-hmm. in a little bit. And um, it get, I don't know if that's on my end or if the Lord is kind of just leaving me in a preparation phase. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had an interview last week, and the guy asked me, um, he said, all right, so where do you think... You, like, where do you want to be in the future? Like, what is your goal? What's your, con- basically, what's your convictions? He says, I'm 46 years old. Picture yourself at 46 years old. Where where are you at? What do you want to be? And I just kind of stood there stunned. Like, 
dude, I don't know. I feel like I've been kind of walking through day to day and I haven't really had a big pull in a bit. Um, so right now I think just really discerning and trying to press into that. I feel like I haven't been the best at that, um, in the past few months. Um, but the principle stays the same. Like, we need to press into what God's calling us to do. Um, I mean, right now, like I'm a husband and we're moving and Mm -hmm. I need to, um, learn how to be the best husband I can, how to imitate Christ and lead my wife, um, and help her in her journey with the Lord and to learn how to be a father and get ready for that. Um, we're not expecting like the like Carson is, <laughs> um, soon. but in the <laughs> in the future, um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, really lean into if God is putting something on your heart and you know that you can serve Him well and you know that you can go and reach people, go for it. Like, don't be afraid of any of the obstacles. Um, because Christ is with you. Go out and do the work, and you're going to see God do amazing things. Mm. Yeah, and there's an element, too, that I feel like when you're discerning your calling, there's almost a fear of failure, too. Like, am I really going to be able to do this? And that's a little bit what I've been experiencing, too. I'm very much someone that wants to control everything and have all my ducks in a row and... Um, just really been humbled by the verse in Second Corinthians that says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And if we didn't have weaknesses or areas that we fall, we fall short, we wouldn't need Christ. And so there's that reliance on Jesus to be able to carry that calling through and to help you mm-hmm. and always be with you to the end of the age, to be able to accomplish what he has has put into your heart, right? And so he's going to be with you in that. He's going to empower you to be able to take next steps in that calling. And so just be praying about, God, like, God, what are you calling me to? How can I have the most impact for your kingdom? What? Show me where my passions are. Show me where my convictions are and help me to step into that with full force and let nothing get in the way of what you are calling me to do. Let nothing distract me from that calling or get in the way of that. Um, but yeah, so that was something that we you know, have been talking a little bit about. Um, I think moving on from here, it would be great. I really liked that reference that you made to the military. And just that analogy of thinking about, okay, yes, we are all on a mission, we are all members of Christ. We all have different roles. There is not one role that's better than the other. Yeah. Like the skilled evangelist is not better than like the shepherding, teaching pastor, right? right? Like we are all equal before the Lord and we're all made in the image of God. And so one of the things I think that we can tend to do is comparison, right? Like we can compare Yeah our weaknesses with someone else's strengths and see someone else's strengths and be like, Oh my gosh, why am I not like that? Am I not spiritual enough? Am I not good enough? Am I not in right relationship with God? Because this person's gifted in that thing and I'm not. 
And so being able, being able to identify your spiritual gifts and really like where God has gifted you and, and taking confidence and contentment in the way that God has made you is something that can really ground your confidence, can ground your, uh, your passion and your excitement to move forward. Because I think a lot of times comparison is a limiter to ministry. Wow. You know, it just limits what God is trying to do through you and your potential because you are, you are trying to be someone that you're not. And that's something that I've really been convicted of too. Working at church, working around a lot of just gifted speakers and leaders and seeing the strengths that they have and wondering like, man, why can't I have those strengths? Like I want to be like them. I, and there's a good element to wanting to, you want to imitate someone because they are being like Christ and that is biblical and that's yep. good. But there's an element there where you can kind of twist that and compare yourself. And then now you're down in the dumps because you're like, well, I'm not like them. But God's yeah. uniquely crafted you in a different way so that the body of Christ may be complete because you have all these different soldiers with all these different abilities yep. and different assignments that the Lord has given you. You know, So it's just yeah. cool to think about it in that context. And I've never really thought about it like that before. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. Like the way that you described that, like put a framework for me to understand what I've even been feeling working at my church. Mm. Like that was cool. We oh. just had a cool moment there. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Spirit working through analogies. I yeah, love I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense if you're a foot sh- soldier and you're like, hey, I want to drive the boat. And (laughs) (laughs) you might not be able to drive the boat. Yeah. But yeah, looking at those people and admiring them for their love for Christ is great. But when we're looking at them rather than looking at Christ, that's where we can get into some problems. And um, I'd honestly say that's almost a better problem to have, I guess, uh, going back to the idea of we're not discipling and we're not making it an effort to reach people, um, looking at and wanting to be like pastors mm. is almost a better situation um, than we have right now is kind of people just checking out um, and doing their own thing. Um, I want to emphasize the importance of the local church um, as an aspect of this whole thing. And um, what the pastors came in and and talked to us about um, was, yes, a big call to go um, to witness, um, but also encouraged us with what we are doing, um, encouraged our generosity, encouraged our um, support of our leaders, encouraged um, all the action that we're taking here um, in the local church. And I just want to um, further that encouragement for um, anybody else listening um, with your local church. Uh, take what you're doing, um, take all the good things that you're doing for the kingdom and continue to do it, uh, continue to expand that and um, pour that out of your doors and bring other people into it. Yeah, it's so important to be connected to a local church, and I'm just blown away with how God uses community and fellowship with one another to transform 
neighborhoods and cities and ultimately nations with the gospel. And I think sometimes, especially today in America, there's lots of opportunity for media and entertainment and live, like you can just sit at home and live stream your church, right? And not actually engage in that community. There's something to be said about physically being present with the body of believers and engaging in a local church. It's easy to go to church and check the box on a Sunday and not actually be in relationship with people to the point where they actually know you. Yep. And they actually know your vulnerabilities and your flaws and what makes what makes you tick and your passions. Like there there is nothing that replaces that one-on-one like and even communal just gathering of the body of believers. Not for sharpening and encouragement and um and also just like fellowship and enjoying the company of someone else. And not being, and not trying to filter yourself through a screen. And there's definitely a, a time and place for live stream. And I think that that's a great opportunity that God's given us in this digital age of reaching people. And I don't yeah. think we need to minimize that. But there's definitely something to be said about staying connected at your local church. Yeah. And being involved in your community where the gospel is making a difference with the people that you know. And, um, that I think is, it's just so cool to see how God uses that and so powerful. Yeah. Sorry. I'm kind of, um, I was thinking about as you were talking how, um, I believe it was Michael, Michael, Michael Rubino. Yeah. Yes. He was talking about, um, viewing people or people groups as, um, too far gone or too far like lost. Um, and, how we can encourage the local body um, to go reach people that seem like they're too far gone. Uh, I just thought that was so good. And you you mentioned media and all that stuff involved with live stream. I Mm -hmm. think that that might be part of it. Like we can get comfortable Mm -hmm. um, if we're staying home and we're not fellowshipping and we're not being uh, encouraged and emboldened we can be kind of discouraged by media. We can be discouraged um, by what we hear and see, all these negative things, and think that people are just too far gone. Our society's too far gone. Um, but that's not true. I mean, you look in Scripture, and there are so many people that come to know the Lord that seem too far gone. I mean, Paul being a, an amazing example, he would kill Christians and— he he came and he repented and he's he was a believer and now he brought so much of the New Testament um, to us, which is just so amazing to think about. So um, get plugged into the local church and don't really take so much weight with what you see. Um, we can really reach the loss. Like they are not untouchable. They're not hundred percent not saved. This country's not totally in the toilet. Um, <laughs> even though it kind of is in the toilet. <laughs> We're all in the toilet though. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a good word. Um, I think that's, that's about it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. My computer's about to die, so we're going <laughs> to cut it here. And then we will see you guys back in the next episode. We might be able to get one more in before 
I have to get surgery. But if not, you will probably be hearing from Peyton and his wife, Madeline, on the next episode. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, um, please reach out to us. Uh, We would love to just connect with you. Uh, We're praying for you guys, and we hope you guys have a great rest of your day or whenever you're watching this. Make war. Peace out. Is that what I normally say?